Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deck. And most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Today's episode comes to us from an email. It comes to us from Brian W. So, Brian, I uh, hope you're listening to every episode, but hope you were particularly tuned into this one. Here's what you said, Brian. You said, hey, guys, I've been binging on the show all summer, and after listening to the Canada's Roswell episode, I remember that my dad told me about a very famous incident here in Montreal back in 1990 that he remembered seeing on the local news. So far, I have not heard any of your episodes mention it. And Brian, you are correct, my friend, fellow conspiracy realist. But that is something we are going to uh, correct for ourselves today in this episode. Montreal, 1990. There was something weird in the sky. It's true. Uh, and we'll we'll get to the crazy parts of this. But but first, let's let's start with the facts. Montreal. What is it? You know it's in Canada, right? But what else? Um, it's a band. 
I like. That's of Montreal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They're actually on tour right now. Uh, our, our, our mutual friend and my roommate um, and, and lifelong pal, Frank, um, recently went to Montreal and said it was a delightful cornucopia of delicious foods and arts and very clean. And the, the metro system was very clean. And he had a wonderful time, he said. It is the second largest city, right, in Canada, at least when you're talking about population, which is yeah. kind of cool. Right. It takes up about three-fourths of Montreal Island. It's an, it's an older city, at least as far as this continent goes. Colonial history dates back into the 16th century. It started as a missionary settlement. Of course, like every other European-based American city, there were plenty of people living there beforehand. But anyway, when Europeans come, it, it becomes a missionary settlement. And, you know, there was plenty of money to be made in religion, but they also realized they could make uh, another uh, ton of money if they got into the fur trade. And so Montreal became a hub of the fur trade. Trappers would uh, travel to and fro acquiring pelts, and then they would return there to sell and ship them. As for the character of Montreal— as in, in days of yore and in the modern day, the best way to say it is that if you were traveling to Montreal or Quebec in general from the U.S., the first thing you'll notice is that it is very, very, very French. Ah, uh, yes. And again, goes back to its history. But also right now, if we're talking about 2020, the majority of Montreal's population are French-Canadian. Or they would identify as French-Canadian. And while you hear some people claim that Montreal is the second largest French-speaking city in the world, of course, after Paris in France, um, that's a bit of a dodgy statement, right? There are some other places that might actually meet that. Yeah, Kinshasa, Algiers, uh, they're both populous in their own right. And uh, they're also probably growing more quickly in terms of birth rate. And uh, maybe while, while once uh, Montreal was known for exporting uh, fine pelts and furs uh, in the late 90s, it kind of got a reputation for exporting some fine musical bands such as the Unicorns, the Arcade Fire, Wolf Parade. Um, Leonard Cohen is from Montreal. Uh, a lot of great bands. Tim Hecker, a, a more droney kind of thing. The Besner Lakes, the Deers. I was huge into the Montreal music scene uh, back in the late 90s and uh, still am today very much. But all in all, Montreal is a, is a beautiful place. It's full of history. It's full of culture. It's considered one of the most cosmopolitan, aka European, cities on the entirety of the North American continent. However, it's also known for something else. Oh, yes, Ben. Like a lot of large metropolitan cities, there are strange lights in the sky above Montreal. Strange lights that may not come from any human origin. Or maybe some kind of secret government experience. But in the end, they're unidentified, they're flying, and they are objects. And that makes them UFOs. Objectively speaking. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Here's where it gets crazy. That's right, folks. Montreal is not just famous for Quebecois culture uh, and some bands from the 90s. It's not just famous for uh, poutine and amazing food. It's uh, famous for, uh, you know, apparently it's riddled with UFOs, lousy with UFO sightings, The most, one of the most famous of which occurred in 1990. So here's what went down. Our story starts on November 7th. That's right. On November 7th, 1990, multiple witnesses reported seeing a round metallic object beaming a series of bright lights brilliant lights even, across the foggy Montreal sky. Uh, one witness, the first known to have reported this sighting, said that the object uh, was seen from a rooftop pool on the 17th floor of the Place Bonaventure Hotel in downtown Montreal a little after 7 o'clock in the evening. And then the game of telephone begins. 
So this first initial witness, there were two people in the pool. The first initial witness tells the lifeguard, or sometimes described as the pool supervisor, Lynn St. Pierre, uh, which sends off this chain reaction. The lifeguard calls Albert Sterling. Albert Sterling works for hotel security. Albert Sterling calls the police, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, uh, the horsey guys, and uh, also a journalist from a newspaper known as La Prasse. And as things go on, the military in Canada gets calls. NASA down south, the U.S. way, they get calls. And the story spreads. More and more and more people at primarily at the hotel or around the area, gather on the 17th floor terrace as the object appears to brighten. At the height of the gathering, we're looking at around 40 to 70 people. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was just a light that was there for a minute. When you're talking about all of these people gathering and making their way down to this hotel, it's time. There's a lot of time there. And by the time people arrived, it was still in the sky, still shining. And... I mean, you're you're looking at about three hours from beginning to end, roughly. So, so from about seven twenty p.m. to around ten ten p.m. Um, and that's one of the reasons this is such an interesting um, event. Why we're so very glad that this was brought to our attention because you don't a lot of times have this number of witnesses, and you know how you would characterize those witnesses. To, depends really on each individual, but there are enough uh, reliable witnesses there to feel as though th- there's something really happening here. Yeah, journalists, pilots, police officers, uh, there was some, oh, a congressman is there or a congress member. The journalist, Marcel LaRouche, uh, arrives around 9 p.m. So this thing has already been happening for almost two hours. And he is our primary source for photographs, the most uh, the most widely circulated photographs you'll see of the phenomenon. And the way he was able to photograph this, he placed his camera directly toward the sky, manual pause for about 30 seconds, and then he just held down the button. So he got a bunch of different photographs. Uh, the light, the brightness of the object had decreased. Now, keep that in mind. Because as it's slowly decreasing, uh, that, is, that is an indicator for us of, of one thing or another. And another photo that was taken, like if you – well, Matt, you're a, you're a visual expert. How would you, how would you guys describe this? Um, the photographs that I've actually seen of this, I saw some from the CBC archives. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the video on the cbc.ca website here. And we've also got some screen grabs that you can find online in a couple places. It looks to me like the way I see the sun, like with rays of sunlight bursting through cloud cover sometimes, mm-hmm. when you get that, that real distinct ray. Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like that, a golden hue, a bit of a greenish color to it as well. Um and it's just – it's hard to describe. It does look as though there is something kind of hanging out behind some cloud cover. Right, right. And we know that not all the photos taken were of similar quality because of the way – the object appeared to be stationary. Yes. Uh, which is which is hugely important. Uh, other people – were saying we saw six lights or we saw three lights. You know, they were dim. 
Other attempts to photograph this object, other than those of the journalists, failed due to the low light. So we think Marcel himself took about 10 photos. The object gradually melted into the increasingly dense cloud cover, and it disappeared completely around 10.15 p.m. So now we have to ask ourselves, well, what, what did it look like? Matt, I think you did an excellent job describing it. We, but we also have to acknowledge the um, some of the weird things about eyewitness descriptions and the, the treacherous path of memory. So we know that the accounts had slight variation in things like number of lights, uh, estimated size, and so on. But they largely agreed. Um, in our in a previous episode with uh, Mad Scientist podcast creator and host Christopher Cogswell, uh, we had a pretty good conversation about how people can misinterpret. Uh, things when they're viewing them on the ground, right? So that's why it's important to note that we had we had pilots, uh, both in the ground and, spoiler alert, in the sky, who were able to encounter this. Estimates currently from a couple of different reports say the craft was about 540 meters wide. Again, people who believe it was a craft. And the other thing is – Kind of what you just said there, they're estimating how far away it is to give you that general size. And just for everyone not on the metric system, a.k.a. like Namibia and the United States, <laughs> oh, and Myanmar, uh, 540 meters is huge. It's yeah. like 1,700, almost 1,800 feet. So whatever this was would would have been enormous if it were a physical craft again. Yeah, and if it, you know, if they're getting that distance, you know, the belief, the believed distance correct um, about how large that thing is, because it sounds like a dang mothership, you guys. Right, right. An arc. Watch your mouth. <laughs> An arc traveling through space, right? Uh, and the other thing to point out here, Ben, are the number of lights that were seen, because you know it, it was a bit varied, but somewhere between eight and ten distinguishable different lights were seen that were attached in some way to this craft, at least as it was told. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that could have depended on angle because, again, we have to remember that of the multiple witnesses who were cited in most of the contemporary reports, the majority of them were on this terrace, meaning that for all – for all practical purposes, they were looking at it from the same angle. And when you have people looking at something from the same angle, you lose valuable perspective. So I have to bring this up. Yeah. I've finally got this CBC video functioning again. Uh-huh. And some of the images in there, they actually go to the journalist place of work who took those photos we've been speaking about. And there's one pulled up here. That is – it's similar to the one that you mm-hmm. – uh, uh, Ben in the outline has a screenshot of one of these images. And, you know, it's a fairly low-resolution video that we're looking at here. But the way these light rays are going through that cloud cover, um, I just I just have to say, like, trying to figure out how far away mm-hmm. whatever it is is. Yeah, so there's like Seems a central difficult. There's a central me. light, you know, it's just like two dots, and then there are these radiating points that, yeah, to, to your point, Matt, um, it's really hard to gauge, like how close would it have to be for those radiations to be that close? Right? So, so the great 
thing that we have here is, as you teased earlier, a witness who was actually in the air. Right. Yeah, that's correct. So while this was going, again, it was there for almost three hours, probably uh, like two hours and 50 minutes. While it was going, there was a private Cessna aircraft. And these are Cessna, are tiny planes comparatively. Uh, and another very weird spoiler, it turns out they're hard to find. Uh, we'll follow up on that much later. So uh, this – I loved that, by the way. <laughs> this aircraft is uh, passing near these light beams and it doesn't run into anything. It flies through the sky uninterrupted, thank goodness, right? Uh, and this led police to say, well, okay, the, whatever this thing is, this object, it is much higher in elevation than we thought. And so the journalist says, okay, the altitude of this plane might be around 370 meters. That's what he thought first. But then there was an Air Canada pilot on the hotel roof who said, no, 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 no way, man. You write the reports. I'll, I'll do the I'll do the elevation estimates because uh, I fly planes, and that thing is, I assure you, my friend, twenty five hundred between twenty five hundred and three thousand meters. So that's almost ten thousand feet in the air. So that would have to like how huge would that thing have to be to still look big from that distance? That's you know? what I'm saying. So of course, in interviews, which you can still find online. There are multiple witnesses who are certain this was an alien or extraterrestrial craft, including some members of the police force, which was surprising to me. Uh, there was an interview with one 15 years later who said, nope, never saw anything like it, not of earthly origin. Uh, you, can also, you can also find some reports that detail uh, – well, you can find the entirety of the police report in French and you can translate it um, – it includes the police force's own statements, but then it includes drawings, little drawings like this from the witnesses. Yes, yes, that just yes. just look like circles with the lines of light coming out. Yeah, so where the light was in position and then where that light ray essentially was observed. And the, the lights are all like what, yellowish green, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very yellow mm -hmm. to, to my eye at least with that kind of green – I don't almost shading in there, and I'm honestly not being there in 1990. I don't know what kind of light pollution is existing in that area of Montreal to you know color the clouds, which occurs in any major metropolitan area. But it looks oddly yellow green. <laughs> right, that's correct, and we'll uh, we'll figure out exactly what that means as as we continue. Now, Matt, you alluded to something earlier um, about what made this sighting different. And we have we have several features that distinguish it from the majority of sightings. Well, yeah, the, the, the first one I think is what we already talked about, just the number of witnesses who were there, who, who you know, weren't just some – this is awful to say, but it wasn't just some farmer – or, you know, some – a single person or a single family in a rural area. Two people in a truck. Yeah, it, and that's not to cast aspersions on anyone who would fit that description. It just means there are multiple people there. Multiple – many of them are authority figures, someone you would consider to be an authority figure when it comes to, uh, let's say, any aircraft that's going to be in the sky in, in a controlled airspace. And there were also, you know, there, there's a funny story. One of the witnesses 
sat at the hotel. I think she was she was at a wedding or she was attending a wedding. She was having dinner, basically. She was having a fancy dinner, and they heard about this. And so she finished her soup, and she goes and stares at the thief for a while. She goes back in. She eats the salad. She goes to check if it's still out there. And, like, her account to the police is just her taking breaks in between uh, yeah. watching UFO to, to eat. Well, yeah, and, and it wasn't just on this terrace. It wasn't just in, in this building. It was over a huge city. And there were people viewing this thing all over the place, all across the city, because it was just an unnerving thing to observe. Yeah, and and one thing they had in common is that they all, they all pointed out a, an unequal distribution of light. It seemed heavier on one side than another. Payon, they were uh, where they were hanging out. Uh, and this was a densely populated city. You know, there's something in the air and it's a real thing, then people will see it. If it that is, if it's a solid object and it's line of sight. But if it's a meteorological phenomenon or if it's a trick of the light, then people looking from the opposite direction might not see anything at all. That's just how that stuff works, right? It's true. But you got to take into account that cloud cover and the distance from the clouds that we were unable to really discern. Right. And there was no change in its movement, no real change in its size. Uh, the fact that it was visible for so long is interesting, not just because it allowed more people to see it, but because it allowed them to time to observe it in increasingly sophisticated and professional ways. One okay, so one of the first things people would talk about would be the um, the idea that it's light, that it's just light. We can dive into that later. But as all you know, people back in the 1990s were not any less or nor more intelligent than people in 2020. They thought of that too. Uh, they they actually turned off uh, some nearby floodlights or construction lights to see if that did anything. And no, this mysterious Montreal UFO still hung there. And this leads researchers like Bernard Gugnet and ex-NASA scientist Dr. Richard Haynes to uh, argue that there definitely was something up there, meaning a solid object of some sort. They said we can't trace the source of it. We can't tell you what it was, but we believe it was something. The report's pretty exhaustive. It's like 25 pages long. And the, you know, the uh, climactic moment of their report is when they say, quote, the existence of a highly unusual, hovering, silent, large object is indisputable. Yeah. Yeah. It really is big, too. And you're right on with the 25-page report. And it's, you know, they don't, well, maybe we won't spoil it now. If whether or not they actually say exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? <laughs> uh, let's let's get to that. Let's answer that question. Let's answer the ghostly yellow lit elephant hovering above the room of the hotel here. Uh, what on earth or off earth was this? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, so what was it? I, I, I gotta know. Well, let me tell you. This thing, whatever it was, was definitely unidentified. What? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. You can do better. Unfortunately, for all the uh, true believers out there, there does not seem to be. Again, we just have to say it. There, there's not a. There's not a watertight case of extraterrestrial visitation. It does remain unidentified. This craft, this object, this phenomenon, and while it seemed to be a real physical object of some sort, there's no indication that it did something like you know disobeyed the laws of physics or generated any other. Abstract behavior, no non-human creatures plopped out and warned us about the danger of nuclear war or large-scale pollution, uh, so far as we know. Maybe they missed that in the reporting. 
And this leads those on the more skeptical end, of course, to relegate this to the land of mundane weather phenomenon and, uh, and then subsequent exaggeration, which happens when people are panicking. So why do they say this? It all really goes back to the fog. Could this have been nothing more than spotlights reflecting off the clouds? You know, again, the Place Bonaventure is close to pretty tall buildings. It's in downtown Montreal. At least one of those had active spotlights or construction. But those things were and, – and those things can be clipped off, right? You can, you can make a request to turn that stuff off, but you can't tell everybody driving in a city to turn off their headlights at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would say spotlights, even the ones that you'll see – uh, used and just shot up into the air, you know, during a large event, maybe a movie theater, uh, every once in a while, uh, a gentleman's club. The, you'll Fresnels. see. Well, you'll see. Yeah, exactly. They have a, a pretty specific shape that can be, you know, opened and closed. Right, it's a lens, yeah. But it expands at least slightly as it goes outward, right? Correct. correct. Oh, so, I see. So if we're talking about lights that are just beamed up into the, the sky like that, um, or, you know, reflections of some pretty high-powered spotlight of any kind, I think it would look different than what we're seeing here. Yeah, what we're seeing here is not something that I can rightly, uh, you know, attribute to any phenomenon that I've personally seen before. But remember, that doesn't take into account other kinds of lights, mm-hmm. Um other shapes of, of, you know, lights. Talking about ghost lights, will-o'-the-wisp? I just mean I can't completely, you know, I can't completely say it wasn't a reflection like that of some kind because there's some other weird stuff going on here, particularly Mm -hmm. with the angle of Mm -hmm. viewing the thing. But all of the evidence that I have been able to look at, that you've been able to look at and Noel's been able to look at, is stuff that was captured in 1990. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, you know, we we can't fully trust what we're looking at. It just means the, you know, it's the, the resolution is going to be a little different unless it's film, right? Unless it's actual film. Right. Which a couple of these uh, pictures were film. Mm-hmm. Um, the video quality of anything that was taken back then is going to be very low resolution. Um I would just say the technology maybe is not was not as sophisticated. Yeah, that's something I want to point out. Yeah, camera equipment of 30 years ago, and yes, yes, this should shock and, and shock some people listening and weird some of us out. 1990 was almost 30 years ago. It's like a few – November 7th, 1990 is a few months uh, away from 30 years ago. And – Technology uh, evolves at such a breakneck pace. Uh, you're right, Matt. I would say you totally cannot trust that stuff. It's it's fuzzy, you know. If we just depended on those photographs and that video, it, it's not surprising at all to rank anything inconclusive because even an actual craft, like say a high altitude blimp, if those existed at mm-hmm. the time, yeah. would be difficult to discern, just given, again, that very low resolution. And then, you know, uh, one thing, it's tempting to say it's a weather phenomenon because it appears to gently just sort of recede into the clouds like that gif or jif of Homer Simpson sinking back into the topiary. 
But blimps could just rise, and it would look the same to an observer. You know what I mean? Especially if the cloud cover is increasing, because as cloud cover increases and uh, moist, moisture, I don't know why I was doing that voice, but moisture accumulates, then it push, the clouds seem to get lower, right, and heavier. So uh, I'm just saying it, we can't, based on the footage alone, we can't rule out either a solid object or weather phenomenon. The problem is... Again, it goes back to vantage point because people at the hotel, the Bonaventure, to them, this looked like a solid object. And some of them, including police, are, are still convinced to this day. But people from other vantage points, they still saw something, but they thought it was a weird reflection, you know, like how you see um, uh, lights in pools at night reflect weird, uh, weird ghost shadows from the water. Yeah, and, you know, that could make sense to me. I'm just trying to figure out – I'm trying to figure out how I feel about this, you guys. I'm imagining, you know, the um, the holographic technology, the hologram technology that uses mist as, as a medium. So you just shine light on the sure. mist and then you can have something three-dimensional or appear to – three-dimensional. Isn't that like the Pepper's um, ghost effect they use in uh, the Haunted Mansion at Disney? Sort of an older effect? I believe so. Yeah, it's something that uses mirrors. It's, it's sort of an old-school way of generating a hologram, I believe. There are updated versions of <clears> that, <throat> and a lot of it goes into a ye old Project Bluebeam, by the way, <clears throat> of projecting images onto cloud cover which is really, like you said, Ben, just moisture at certain densities. And as it's more dense, you can get a more solid-looking object. Mm -hmm. um, and the cloud cover, the fog, um, as, as we're calling it here, does appear to be very, very thick in that area. And I'm wondering if I just haven't seen that kind of technology at play yet. I and see. it could be something like that that I just don't have the reference point for. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I can completely understand that. We also have uh, we have a couple of different experts who weighed in, both in the Montreal area and then just people who study astronomy or ufologists or so on. Well, one I'd like to bring to our attention is Dr. Robert Lamontagne, who's a professor of astronomy at the University of Montreal. And he had, I think he had the most even-handed initial response. Because, again, we have to remember, like, November 7th, 8th through the 9th, people are saying all kinds of just wild, out-of-pocket stuff about this. Uh, so here's what, here's what the uh, astronomy professor says. People saw something. They saw a UFO. Now, the word UFO is unidentified flying object. So they saw something in the sky that they couldn't identify. They saw a phenomenon. Now, it remains to find an explanation. We haven't had time to find one yet. It takes a while. We need to have observations. We need to collect a whole series of information together. So far, most of the investigations that are looking at the UFO phenomenon often take several days to find an explanation. For decades that we have been dealing with UFO phenomena, not only in Quebec, but almost everywhere in the world, until now, none of these UFO phenomena has found its source in the presence of vessels from other planets. All UFO phenomena have their explanation in natural phenomena of meteorological origin or aurora borealis type or artificial phenomena. 
Mm. That so, checks out. So in a very dry way, he's saying, I'm not saying it can't be aliens, but it would be the first friggin' time ever. Well, it's also just the, the term UFO is so loaded. People have so many associations with it from pop culture and sci-fi and everything. You know, But what it really just means is a lack of an explanation. And just because we're seeing something that doesn't have an explanation doesn't mean you can make the leap to it is this origins being somewhere, you know, outside of the known universe, right? Yeah, I got to say something really weird on a personal level about that. Uh, several days, maybe it was last week on Reddit, I was digging into something and and someone quoted me saying that on on Reddit and it was like the most, I think it was the coolest thing that happened to me that month. Uh, well, this month's, this is a new month. Never mind. Yep. Yeah, we just switched over, Ben. But yeah, we have to say that, right? Every uh, every time we deal with UFOs, we do have to we do have to emphasize that because you're right, Noel. It has it has become a loaded term ever since the nineteen what late forties, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. That old Roswell. Well, hey, let's. Um, I want to. Can we go to the next kind oh, of yeah. person that stepped yeah. in because this person just is so skeptical of anything else like where where that was maybe even handed that we just heard from sure uh from the the professor there yeah but mark has knacks to grind oh man mark uh what is it galinas he's a meteorologist with environment canada that's an organization and secretary of the montreal astronomical society this dude was not having any of this you know? oh yeah you could just hear the pff, yeah the scoff the <laughs> yeah what did he say uh he said he looked at the photographs first, and he said, It looks like a phenomenon observed on many occasions, especially when we work with projectors, sometimes used in meteorology. Okay, no, okay. Projectors used with meteorology. I see the case you're building. Okay, all right, keep going. Okay, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting <laughs> down. I'm on board. And so he goes, Light is reflected by ice crystals or water droplets in the cloud. So, depending on the density of that cloud... I feel like we just talked about this. Yeah, the beam might be several hundred meters thick and visible from a great distance. He further conjectured uh, stuff like the rays might come from an automobile because they have headlights. The headlights might point at the sky... Or uh, they might reflect toward the sky because buildings have windows and windows are reflective. Like he's very Whoa, much over oh, this. Mark, you're saying, okay, I'm first of all. He's saying everything, but I'm <laughs> condescending, which means I talk down to people. I, I'm just trying to imagine a car that is somehow positioned with its headlights for three at hours. At that angle, like on a giant hill somewhere that's just kind of sitting there shooting up because uh, the thing the problem with the headlight argument is that these headlights would not be static they would be moving yeah. right so well, well they'd be moving but also there are no laser headlights <laughs> you know they, yeah. they could shoot all the way up into there and then reflect down in those rays that we're observing maybe i'm wrong mark maybe maybe you're right i just i don't see that but uh, okay, we're this is not aimed at you, Ben. We're talking oh, yeah, about Mark. Totally, okay, totally, right, totally. Cool. But it, it's true. And then he's like, and then he points out the spotlight stuff, and he points out that light beams come from shopping centers. He's basically the whole time he's going, "You guys, lights! You they're, have lights. They're everywhere. Lights are man. everywhere. It's Montreal. 
We're almost in the 21st century. There are reflective surfaces everywhere, the mm. clouds and the ice crystals. Come on, man. And, and it's interesting because you see other astronomy societies of the time. Um, there was one quote. Uh, I, let me dig through, dig through the notes. But there's, there's one quote uh, from someone who seems a little bit offended by this. Uh, this claim that's a, uh, that's an alien or extraterrestrial UFO, uh, and then says, "Oh, it's a uh, Dominic Larose. Uh, Dominic Larose, I believe, is the man who said, "You know what? In my organization, a lot of us came to it because we realized that quote unquote alien UFOs don't exist." So, yeah, it, it's weird when you get into this kind of debate because. Science has the the lion's share of attention in these concepts and these conversations, and it should. But there's also some psychology in there involved in there. There's some grudges being held, like when we learn some of the weird behind the uh, behind the curtain business going on with MUFON, which was frankly surprising and had nothing to do with aliens. Uh, maybe that's a conspiracy uh, for another day, but. But let's look at the other reports. So let's take psychology as far out of it as we can. Uh, we know that like any other large city in the developed world, Montreal has a ton of monitoring devices and systems in play. These things are on every day of the year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're supposed to ping when they see something. Yeah, and they are humans – that uh, for most of the time, if not all of the time, are checking those systems and looking at and monitoring them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so some experts check into power grids, and they say, "What about electromagnetic disturbances?" We know those can do screwy things because keep in mind that Canada is one of the one of the countries that experienced uh, the world's strongest, most recent coronal mass ejection, right? Which in the eighties threw the place back into the dark age for a minute, but not for long. Right, uh, just it unexpectedly shorted out grids. So they found one power failure, but it was like it was around 11 p.m. So it was after this thing would have been around. Because we're talking 7:20, is that what we said? 7:20 to like 10:10 10, 10 or so. Okay. And then they checked operating records of communication networks, radio stations, radio operators, telephone circuits, excuse me, during the evening of November 7th, 1990, and they did not find any unusual amount of malfunction. Whatever the, this means that whatever it was, was not, at the very least, was not interfering with power grids nor electromagnetic systems or things that could be affected by that. Well, that's, I mean, okay, this is a good piece of, you know, knowledge to have. It's not, it's probably not the electrical grid, but another set of monitoring instruments would be radar. Which would pick up physical objects. Yes, especially in the airspace. But that wasn't happening, right? There were no uh, UFOs detected or reported to be detected in, in any case uh, by airport radar systems. Um, the controller, a controller that was interviewed, reported that for the 20 years he's worked in the field at the same control tower, no UFOs have ever been reported. According to him, um, in a report a few days later, the phenomenon reported on Wednesday was caused by a light ray. Oh, So we have another expert saying it's not physical. Yeah, it's just light, man. It's just a trick of the light. It's only the wind. 
Ooh. It's not the ghost of your dead lover. It's only the wind. Um, all right. We're, let, let's get almost down to the end here because I, I want to just talk about what I think it is. Okay. All right. So if you want to see a more modern version of this and you're a fan of uh, less than stellar television, uh, you can check out a show that the television channel Canal D made in 2007, a reconstruction of this phenomenon in a series of theirs called Mystery Files. They interviewed a lot of the witnesses, uh, surprise, mainly the witnesses who believe it was extraterrestrial. Uh, and and different people will note that a lot of the ufology websites that are convinced this was extraterrestrial in origin will mainly cite this report. You can watch it on YouTube. I, I, I don't want to be a jerk about it, but I wouldn't call it groundbreaking science. It's entertainment. So – the point of that is to entertain you with a recreation, yeah. recreations, as they're called. Good old-fashioned recree of mm-hmm. some light rays. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it appears for now that the most likely explanation for the 1990 Montreal sighting was either a mundane, if secret, craft of some sort or a strange type of light weather phenomenon caused by interaction with this low foggy sky. Again, the big questions are the number of witnesses let us know there was definitely something visible there and uh, the fact that it stayed visible for three hours is pretty fascinating too. Uh, There's a pretty – there was an argument for some kind of aberrant behavior of the northern lights, but that doesn't really hold up once once you dig into it. So all right. So what do you think? What do you well, think? Okay, what so do you think? A natural phenomena of sun rays somehow being bent around at around 7 p.m., which, you know, that's November 7 p.m. I don't know exactly when the sun was setting on that day, but there, is, there are phenomena where sunlight can be bent around the planet if, you know – at certain times, like after uh, dusk or after the sun has set, um, where you can get some weird light ray action going on some in distortions, the sky. right? And it's it almost always has to do with moisture in the sky. These ice crystals we're talking about. Well, that makes um, sense because they would refract it and could split it off in different patterns or make it look like it's moving abnormally, right? Yes, and Montreal isn't you know right near the equator or anything. It's getting up higher. Uh, or north in latitude. So, you know, that potential is there. Um, When you're talking about where you can actually see some strange things in the ionosphere above you, you know, Montreal is pretty dang close up to those places where it's most strong. But again, oh, you know what? When you you see Aurora Borealis, Ben and Noel, generally what color do you see? Green. Uh, I'm not the best person to ask. <laughs> is, it, is it green? Sorry, Ben. No uh, green is one of the pro- prominent colors that it is will it blue? be observed. Is it supposed to be blue? <laughs> no, it's, it's greenish. It's green? Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 um, no. But the green hue or the coloration in some of those images that you're seeing high up above in that fog 
could be, you know, I, I could see that being Aurora Borealis kinds of things. But then if you mix that in with maybe a bit of sunlight being refracted and kind of bent over like that, you could get those light rays because it really does look like tiny suns like shooting out rays through that, mm-hmm. that cloud cover. Yeah. Huh. Wait, so did you just talk yourself out of what you were originally going I to? I did. Okay. I did. I like I, – I love watching these transformations in real time. Well, I was going to go with the Project Bluebeam test because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all about it. And I'm yeah. pretty sure top of a building like that in Montreal would be a great place to test it out. For years you've you've been about this. And then maybe maybe if we're, if we're going further down the rabbit hole, maybe that explains why uh, this was instead of a religious figure or a messianic figure, this was a uh, – uh, A sun god. <laughs> <laughs> this was just a, something that looked like an orb. So here's my argument against it being a physical object. Okay. Some, or at least getting the size wrong. Uh, for it to be almost 1,800 feet and at an elevation of 2,500 – or let's keep it in meters. 540 meters, elevation of 2,500 to 3,000 meters. Uh, that would mean – just put it in American phrases because, you know, we'll do – we'll find a system of measurement – uh, of, of ridiculous degrees and comparisons, we'll do anything we can so long as it prevents us from having to think in the metric system. That's why news is always like, you know, it's blah, 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 kilograms. That's the size of like four elephants in, and one Costco pack of Oreos. And it's like, that's seven refrigerators. Anyway, this 540 meters thing, that's like five football fields. Hmm. That would be, if it were flying, that would be like by far, right? The largest craft ever. It's a dang mothership, you guys. Like I, I don't have, I don't know the biggest airship right now, but I don't think it's five football fields. Yeah. What is the aircraft carrier of the sky? I, mean, I keep thinking of the large military, the C-1, no. It's C something, right? C-17, C-5? I think that's right. I remember Marshall Brain talking about C-17 is correct. And that's the one where the front opens, right? The nose opens? Yes. It's huge. Yeah, that – okay, let's let's check it out. That is 53 meters long, wingspan of 51.75 meters. So wow. Much bigger than that. I don't know. It's just tough because it's like the Bigfoot question again. If there's something that big and a ton of people are looking for it, where the hell is it? Why haven't we found it? Well, if it is a spacefaring craft, Ben. Uh, that's right. You're it right. came into our atmosphere, uh-huh. hung out for a minute, pretty high up, probably higher up than we thought, and then just went back out. If it is, if it is as Noel said, a mothership, then maybe they just stopped by to see if there was, if there was room on this planet for them. And maybe it was just like when you're walking – into uh, when you're walking around, you're trying to find a public restroom and you have to just like try the knobs on the stalls or whatever. And so maybe, maybe that's what they, maybe that's what they did. Maybe they came in and did the equivalent of like the bathroom stall check and said, dang, there's already, there's already a life here. (laughs) There are way too many lights down there, Cap. And they're like, ah, maybe it's bioluminescence or some other form. And they're like, I don't know. I don't think it's a trick of the light. I'm pretty sure those are, that's actual <laughs> creatures. How there. cool would it be if they were on that mothership and they were debating what they saw? Yeah. They were like, what was that down there? That was weird, man. So it's like, no, it was just the, it was foggy. <laughs> it was so foggy. Those were fog buildings, you fool. 
I don't know. Oh, uh, it is odd, man. It's really odd. If I just, if, yeah, that's that's what I think is interesting about this because there's not a satisfactory, universally accepted explanation. And every time you get to the point where you say, "Well, it was definitely this," there's always a, "But wait," just like just like we encountered at the end of this. My last one, my last ditch, uh, you know pitch that I had, my Hail Mary I'm pulling from my back pocket, uh, if, if not my keister, is this, what if it wasn't a physical craft, but it was the ghost of a craft? What if it's a ghost ship? No, then it wouldn't be solid, it wouldn't be physical. Yep. Crickets? Okay. <laughs> Paul, can you put some crickets in for I that got, one? I got nothing, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I just have to say... This has been a lot of fun to imagine, talk about, and uh, thank you to Brian for writing us that email. Yes. I remember when you first sent that to us, uh, this may be too much detail, but I was hanging out at my house doing a thing that all of us do um, that, you know, in, involves a bathroom, and I, I literally got your email, and I went, oh, oh, let me look at this. That sounds interesting. And then I stayed way too long in the bathroom. <laughs> Because I was just I was watching that video you know, I was telling you about. It's not good for your colon, man. Well, you know what? I, mean, I wasn't saying I was actually using the bathroom. No, no, you I were was just sitting in there the in, that, in that position. <laughs> and you got stranded. Well, we don't know how no, he sits. I got up and I was pacing. I was just oh, pacing back okay. and forth, like, "What is this, man?" In your bathroom. Yeah, nice. Just, I have a really tiny bathroom, so it was just kind of like a <laughs> that's true. couple of steps. <laughs> well, that's, that makes for a good pace. It's real intense. It's true. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. Uh, we would like to hear from you. What are some other what, what are some other cases of odd, extraordinary sightings in the sky, in the water, on land that you would like us and your fellow listeners to explore? Let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. We love to recommend our Facebook community page. Here's where it gets crazy. Some of the best mods in the business. Uh, all you have to do to get in is name uh, one or all four of us or frankly, just like make a joke. Say something funny. I'm a sucker for puns. It's so easy. Give us a call also. We are 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave us a message. Let us know what you're thinking about this episode or any other episode. And here we go. Our new tradition. I'm going to play the latest message that has come in. Are you guys ready? I am ready. Yes, sir. Here we go. Hey, this is Eric from Chicago, Illinois. Hey, I heard your podcast on the coronavirus. All I'm saying is I haven't heard any news about Hong Kong in the last few months. Are they hiding something? Ah, as in the story of the coronavirus is like, uh, in this episode, a fog that is being blanketed over the go. region so that we don't think about what's happening in Hong Kong right now. Yeah, yeah. I think we noted that in the episode, too. You can find uh, you can find news on Hong Kong, but both uh, both the Hong Kong protest and the Uyghur concentration camps, it's my choice to call them that, are still very much in play. You know, it's still happening. It's just not being reported. So follow Eric's footsteps. Leave us a message if you'd like to. Yeah, I, I do want to point out, shout out to everybody who, there's a funny thread on Here's Where It Gets Crazy, where people have started, uh, our fellow listeners have started confessing that a lot of us uh, repeat that phone number 
to themselves along when you hear it. I'm telling <sighs> you guys, ritualization works. Oh, that is awesome. Well, uh, thank you for doing that with us because it, it feels a little weird every time we do it in here. Do but- it enough times. <laughs> if enough people join us, you'll summon some sort of demigorgon. <gasps> and that's the truth. Some sort of demigorgon? Mm, now, you guys, I, I want to say that Paul is 100% human. And <laughs> uh, if you don't care for social media, we get it. If you don't like phones, we get it. If you have something that you need to tell us, but you want a different way to tell us, well, we have one last option for you. You can always contact us directly at our good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.